Now, over the last eight days, the world has been transfixed by the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Our television and newspapers have been blanketed with eulogies about her. Now, my goal this evening is not to focus on the Queen. I think you've got that already on television. I want to focus on the person the country is not really talking about, and that is God himself. I want us to ask a simple question, which no one really seems to be asking when I look at the television. The question is, is how does God expect us to react to the death of Queen Elizabeth II? I don't know if you've given thought to that. You've asked yourself that question. How does God expect? God is looking at us right now. What does he expect from us? How does he expect us to react to this death? And to help us answer this question, I want us to look at this verse in Isaiah 6, verse 1. The prophet Isaiah wrote this vision of the Lord God 2,700 years ago. And he wrote it at the time uh, the great king Uzziah died. Uzziah was king for 52 years. And it is highly likely that Isaiah was in his 20s or 30s when Uzziah died. Isaiah's ministry lasted for at least 70 years. So, so Isaiah was born while Uzziah was king of Judah. A bit like many of us today, Queen Elizabeth II is all we have known in our lives. In fact, most of us here. So this passage of how God revealed himself to Isaiah during a time of great national loss, I think has a lot to teach us about what God expects from us at this time of great national loss. And so look with me there at Isaiah 6, verse 1. We're only going to look at this verse. I'll just read it again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. There are three lessons I just want to draw out for us this evening, and hopefully these will help us as we come to pray uh, later on. The first lesson that Isaiah wants us to understand, he's teaching us, is we must look to the presence of God. In this national moment we find ourselves in, in our lives, or whatever is going on in our lives, we must always look to the presence of God. Of God. The Liberal Democrat MP Tim Farron gave an interesting eulogy to the late Queen Elizabeth II in Parliament, and he said this, and I quote The landmarks of the Queen's reign have been the landmarks of each of our lives. Our life was our life, and our history has become our history. They are inseparable and indivisible and you will forever be touched by it. Later on, Tim Farron says that the Queen was a constant to us all. And as I thought about his words, his words are a reminder, isn't it, that there is need in all of us for permanency and presence. As human beings, we like novelty. We like new things. We always want something new, right? There is an inbuilt desire in us for progress, to improve on the past. That's true. And yet at the same time, there's a part of us that wants to be reassured by a sense of permanency. We build life knowing some things won't change. 
We need that. We need some things in life not to change. When we get into a car to drive, it is because we believe it's exactly the same as we left it. We need it to be the same. So permanency is very important in life, just as change is important. The problem, though, when it comes to permanency is that even though we need permanency, no human being can truly give us that. Not even our sovereign Elizabeth II. Not only, she couldn't give us that. As that wonderful hymn, Abide With Me, teaches us, F's joys grow dim, its glories pass away, change and decay in all around I see. That's life. Change and decay. Ever since sin entered the world, even the greatest human beings die. No one can give us that lasting sense of permanent presence and care we deeply long for. But I want to suggest to you this evening that this impermanency of things is not all bad news. And for those of us who have lost a loved one, this year, as we think of those that have gone, as we think of Elizabeth's death, it brings our own death, our, 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 the deaths of loved ones into sharp focus. This sense of impermanency we experience is not all bad news. We should be reminded of that. Things are impermanent to remind us of our deepest need for the one who changes not. The one person who is always with his people. The one true God of the Bible who has revealed himself in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we meet him here in verse 1 of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah 6 says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So the situation here is like this. It's around 740 years before the coming of Christ. The people of God, Israel, are split into two separate kingdoms. And it has been like this since Solomon died. Ten tribes of Israel have been living as a northern kingdom to the north with their capital at Samaria. The two remaining tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, are now called the kingdom of Judah. And their capital is at Jerusalem. And their king at this time is King Uzziah or King Azariah. But King Uzziah has now died. He has been reigning for 52 years on the throne. His death really comes after a very long period of national prosperity. Now, in the ancient world, it's not like today. right? When the king died, there were huge dangers of a power vacuum. Right? Foreign armies taking advantage. Right? It's not like in our country today, the death of Queen Elizabeth has not left any power vacuum. It's left a symbolic vacuum, but not a power vacuum. The succession has been very smooth. Charles is king now. But the death of Uzziah would have filled the people with profound sorrow and profound sense of insecurity. They would have been worried about the future. Now, if we know Bible history very well, we know just after this, it's going to get very difficult in the northern kingdom in particular. 
And I think Isaiah shares his worries because it seems that he has come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem to seek direction from God. Isaiah has this vision in the temple, I think. And while he's there, God gives him this, as I said, this vision of the one true God, Yahweh, present among his people with his glory filling the temple in Jerusalem. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is a theophany. This is the appearance of God in the Old Testament. It is meant to say to Isaiah and the people of Israel, I have not left you. I am still present with you in this crisis. People come and go in your life, but I never die. And I'm always present among you as my people. I am still your one and only true God. I am still here for you. Yes, you've been swept off your feet by the terrible loss of Uzziah, but you must land on your feet in worship. Wipe your tears, see through them, and look to my presence, the Lord is saying. Let this national crisis enable you to look to me. Let it remind you that I am the only one who is guaranteed to be present in your life. And as we think about the death of our sovereign Elizabeth II, and as we watch the funeral tomorrow, for those of us who will be tuning in for that, let us remember that is exactly what God wants us to do with this death. He has brought this moment to remind us that he is the one we can, only, we can truly depend on. He is the only one. Everything in life is passing away. God is the only person we can truly be sure that he is always present. And of course, as a follower of Jesus, you know this is true, don't you? Be comforted to know that God is always with you every second. Is present with you not only because God is everywhere, omnipresent, He is present with you in a deep and intimate way. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God in Christ has come to live in you if you're a true believer. You know, God the Holy Spirit has been with you today when you got out of bed, He was there, He has been in you. <laughs> As you ate your breakfast, living in you. As you got ready for church this morning. He was with you when you came this morning to the chapel. He was watching you from outside as you came into worship, because he's omnipresent. And he was in you as you sat down, from outside and inside. He was with you when you went out for lunch, whatever you had for lunch. He's with you now as you sit here this evening. He is at this very moment hearing your thoughts. He is lovingly listening to your feelings. He is living in you. He is sensing your fears, your anxieties in life. He lives in you. Not just to listen, but he is your comforter, your strength, your helper, your counselor. If you're in Christ, there will never be a time when God the Holy Spirit is not with you. God has made it impossible for you to ever walk alone. That's the gospel. 
So as a follower of Christ, let the passing of the queen remind you of that. The permanency the world longs for, you have it in Christ. And God is with you every moment. And you need to remember that's what the nation needs to hear. A God who never leaves us, nor forsakes us. That's the first thing this passage is encouraging us. We must look to the presence of God. The second thing this passage is reminding us is that we must look to the authority of God. Not just his presence, but also his authority. That's the second truth. Every society has authority figures, right? People who shape how we live. In our day, we look to politicians and scientists, journalists and business leaders. These people hold authority. They hold power over us because why? Life is complicated. <laughs> we go mad if we had to rule ourselves individually. We need people to rule over us. Right? We need people to hold our end in life. And on top of that, of course, we don't just look to these authority figures. Many of us look within ourselves for some inner emotional strength to face the challenges of life. And the passing, though, of this great leader, Queen Elizabeth II, is actually meant to remind us that no human being, no matter how great they are, are enough to lead us. You are not enough for you. The Queen is not enough for us. We, we, we miss her, yes, but she's not enough for us. No human being is. But also it's reminding us, therefore, that God does not raise national leaders so that we can hang our hopes on them. We must mourn, yes. But we must not mourn as those who have lost hope. Because our hope is not in any human being. That's not a reason God raises leaders. He raises them so that they can point us to the only true sovereign over his people and over all things. And that is the one true God of the Bible. None of us are powerful enough to look after us in any situation. So relying on ourselves or anyone else to keep us will only bring disappointment. We need to look to God to rule over us. Because God can do for this country more than any queen, any king, any PM can do for us in a millennium. We need God. And in this vision, we see God revealing himself to us, isn't it? Not as the God who is always with us, but as the God who is with us to rule us. Look at verse 1 again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The image here is of God sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And it is telling us that though Uzziah has died, God is still among his people as the undying sovereign. It is saying to us, kings and queens come and go, but Yahweh is the undying sovereign. He is still on the throne. He has all the universe at his command. But it is telling us more than just that. It is telling us more than just that God is sovereign over all things. The point here, notice, the point here is that God 
is ruling and reigning in the temple of his people. Right? It is telling us that this is Yahweh, the Lord, in capital letters. He's sovereign over all things and he's especially sovereign over his people. He is the true God of Israel. There is only one ruler in the entire universe and it is this God we meet in the pages of the Bible, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, even Christ himself. Why do I say that? Because John 12 verse 41 says that. It says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. John is saying the God of Isaiah 6, who Isaiah saw, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He saw his glory and spoke of him. So Isaiah 6 verse 1 is teaching us that when leaders die, we must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our timeless sovereign. We must look to him to lead us. But more widely, it is teaching us that Jesus is the True and the ultimate authority over all life. Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, there are only two sources of authority in life. Two sources. You either live by divine authority or some form of human authority. And the Bible is clear that all human authority in the end will fail us. In fact, all human authority is just borrowed authority from God. You know, we are often told to trust the experts. We must trust the experts on Brexit, of course, we are told. We must trust the experts. We are to trust the experts on COVID-19. We are now to trust the experts on climate change. We are being told constantly to trust the experts on gender. Trust the experts on education. They know what is good for the kids, we are told. Now, of course, we need people who spend time to study things and tell us some things we don't know. After all, even in the church, we are people who are gifted for certain things. I am not against expertise. But we must remember all trust in human experts and leaders who ultimately fail us. Because all human beings are finite. They are changing. They are sinful creatures. Everyone. The history of the world is of one authority giving way to another. What we once considered uh, an authority is often later found to be limited. Paradigms change all the time. This means that no human authority, no human authority, ultimately has a right or claim on our lives because none of these authorities of whatever shape lasts forever. All authority is borrowed authority. It is subject to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only true authority in life, really, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We must look to him to rule our worship. We must look to him to rule how we evangelize. We must look to him to rule how we work. We must look to him to rule how we do our family, how we live out our singleness, how we parent. We must look to him to how we spend our money, because it's not ours anyway. We must look to him when we spend our time because it's borrowed time from him. He must rule our friendships. He must be Lord over our politics. He must be Lord over everything. 
And that is actually the mission of the church in this world. It is to proclaim the Lordship of Christ until he is fully preeminent in all things. See, to affirm this truth of Isaiah 6 verse 1 that we must look to God because he's ruling over us means surrendering to the reign of Christ. But not merely surrendering to the reign of Christ. It is for us ourselves to become champions of his reign. It means praying and working flat out to advance the rule of Christ in every sphere, every geography, every arena of life. We must labor for Christ until he brings all things under his subjection. Now the death of the queen is heartbreaking for many people, isn't it? As Uzziah's death was. And yet I believe this death has come at this time. After COVID. In the middle of a cost of living crisis. In the middle of nations in Europe being shaken. In the middle of lives falling apart. America's dominance waning in the world. It has come as a divine opportunity to point us to Christ our Lord. It has come when time, I believe, is short for the second coming of our Lord. If we do not seize this opportunity to tell people about the ultimate rule of God, then we have wasted this moment. No matter what else we do, we must use this moment to not only renew our surrender to the authority of Christ at the individual level, but we must use this opportunity to pray and labor for Christ to bring all things under his subjection. For the time is short. So we must look to God, to the presence of God. We must look to the authority of God. And finally, this evening, before we have time to pray, we must look to the grace of God. We must look to the grace of God. You know, they say we get leaders we deserve. That's what they say. The point is that whether we like it or not, our leaders in some sense reflect our strengths and weaknesses. And that is because in most areas of life, we choose leaders. You might say it's also true for dictatorships, but especially in democratic societies, because you could argue in a dictatorship, at least if people are happy with the dictator, they don't rise up. If they are unhappy with the dictator, they don't rise up. So in a sense, it's true. We get the leaders we deserve, even in non-democratic societies. But especially in democratic societies, we often choose leaders... Right? We choose leaders. Right? And those leaders come to shape us. In fact, we often choose leaders who we can identify with. And those leaders, to keep their position, in effect, follow the path that ensures is more like follow the middle course of society. You know, when you think of the current royal family and the way it does things, uh, coming as a Zambian living in this country, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, it's very much a product of the culture of the society. Or at least what the society hopes to be. It's amazing. It leads and follows society at the same time. That's obvious. Why? Even the queen had to lead and follow. And there's an interesting debate about why she agreed with the homosexual legislation. But it's quite obvious she felt she had to follow society at this point. That's the point of society. That's the, that's the nature of leadership. Fallen leadership. 
we get the leaders we deserve. But the problem with getting leaders we deserve is that they can never rise above us. And they can never offer us something we desperate need. What is that? Undeserved goodness. Grace. The only leaders who offers us this undeserved goodness is a true God of Isaiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. He leads us by his grace. And we see that most amazingly in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. Look at that again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I hope you've seen the grace already, even before I mention it. Isaiah is saying, God has appeared to him in a year that King Uzziah died. And that begs the obvious question, doesn't it? Why has God chosen this moment to appear to Isaiah and to call him into ministry? Well, to answer that question, we need to know a bit more about the Old Testament. We need to know a bit more about what, how King Uzziah died. And we read about his death in 2 Kings 15 and 2 Chronicles chapter 26. There we discover that Uzziah was once a very good king. He honored God in many ways. And God blessed Uzziah with a lot of success and power. One of the good kings of the Old Testament. But sadly, the blessings from God corrupted him. The Bible says that when Uzziah became powerful and successful, pride entered his heart. And he decided to do something he shouldn't have done. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. The priests tried to stop him. But the king forced his way in and did it anyway. Now, on one one end, he's trying to worship God, you might say, but he has gone beyond the limit. It's like Uzzah, who was struck down for touching the ark. King Uzziah went beyond his office. God had had not made him a priest. God had decreed that the three offices, really, priest, prophet, and king, should be separate until Christ comes. Uzziah wanted to combine at least two of them. He had decided that because God had blessed him as a king, he did not need a priest. He can be his own priest. Pride corrupted his heart. Now, I wish we could spend more time on the sin of Uzziah. We need to leave some time for prayer. I think we should think about that sin because it's a sin that many of us are guilty of. It is, of course, a sin of pride, but it is a special form of pride. It is a pride that says, I do not need God's provision and to do things according to God's way. I do not need the means of grace that God has designed. So we find that most of us, we think we are mature in one area and we don't think we need other things God has commanded. I don't need to come to church twice on a Sunday like to meet with God's people because not that God has, has commanded us to meet twice, but God has given you that as a gift to you. Say, so, oh, I don't need that gift because I'm okay. I can devise. I, I, I'm, I'm spiritual enough for just morning only, for example. God says, I have the Lord's table. So I don't need the Lord's table. I, I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I can do my life my own way. And there are many other things God brings in our lives which we think we don't need 
Right? Because we think we know better. That was Uzziah's problem. We must watch out. Okay, that's a side point. The key point is Uzziah sinned against God. And what God did was God struck him with leprosy. So he now lived isolated. Leprosy was basically a living death. And at some point, Uzziah died. Okay? So that's his death. From leprosy eventually. And he died. So when verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, we should read that as saying, In the year King Uzziah died in shame. In the year King Uzziah died because of the judgment of God on his life. And then we should carry on reading. And we'll read and it says, In that year this great king died in shame. I saw the Lord God of Israel sitting upon a throne. And where has God appeared to Isaiah? We must read on, isn't it? And the train of his robe filled the temple. God has appeared where he judged Uzziah. Do you see where, what Isaiah is getting at here? The God of judgment is also the God of grace. The king who represents the nation has sinned against God. And we might say the whole nation carries the king's guilt as its federal head and representative. But the Lord is saying, I have not abandoned my people. In the year King Uzziah died, in Shem, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He has appeared in the same temple where Uzziah sinned to say to Judah, I am your gracious king. I am the leader you don't deserve. I have unfailing love for you. And I will lead you because of my boundless grace. And don't miss the point, the final sentence. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I don't know if you've ever wondered about that. What's that about? He's saying, I am the one who occupies the robe. I am all ear, filling the entire temple of my people. I am all ear, not half-hearted, I am all here for you by grace. And of course, we know the grace of God through Christ. Christ has come to shower his gracious leadership on us by defeating sin, death, and hell, and Satan. And he's in heaven reigning over all things. This Jesus who's appearing here is the root of Jesse. This is the Jesus, the gracious light of God who shines in our darkness of Isaiah 9. And one day Christ will come to bring us grace upon grace. Because we read that in Revelation 21, 3 to 4. One day the dwelling, it says here, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. His, his presence will fill the entire temple of his people, you might say. I love it when he says that God himself will be their light. God is all they will need. You know, when the gracious leadership of Christ dawns in this world, there will be no more dying leaders. No more corrupt politicians, no more global dictators. There will be no more bad bosses, no difficult church leaders you have to put up with. No difficult parents. No friends who lead us astray. 
As followers of Christ, we have such to look forward to. Our hope is in Christ our leader who is full of grace. He is our confidence and our joy in the midst of broken and uncertain time. And we know that God is not only with us to lead us, He's with us to lead us by His grace. We can depend on His grace no matter what the future holds. And as followers of Christ, our hope therefore is not in earthly rulers, it is not in our politicians, it is not even in our pastors, not even in our parents, it is not even in our own resources. Our hope rests only in this present authoritative and gracious God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one we can depend on. And so Isaiah says, in the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Do you see the Lord? Are you looking to the Lord in this moment? There is no other way for us to meet this moment than to look upon him whose hands bled on that cross for our sins. His graceful sinners is the only thing we need. This is what this country needs. We are wondering now, isn't it, how things will be with the new king who has pagan tendencies and a new PM who our critics has raised questions about. And of course, the cost of living crisis, rising national poverty and war raging in Europe, as I said, and the threat of new COVID variants. And on top of that, there's all issues going on in our lives, isn't it? We have many challenges, all of us. Life is challenging. It's been a difficult year for many people, and the year hasn't even finished. There's a danger, isn't there? A danger which the prophet Nahum also saw. A danger to look upon the problems rather than look to God. And so God has given this vision to Isaiah. And he's saying to Isaiah, he's saying to Judah through Isaiah, don't look at the problem, look at me. Look at the God of Isaiah. And that's the encouragement for us this evening. Let us look to Christ alone. Let us take our doubts and fears to him. Let us go to him for strength and courage. He is our shepherd. He is our Christ. The Christ on whose mention of his name, every knee will bow. The queen will bow. King Charles III will bow. Prime Minister Trust will bow. Every knee will bow. All creation will one day confess Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So let's look to him and fix our minds on Christ. Christ our power, isn't it? Christ our righteousness. Christ our redemption. Christ our Yahweh. Our Emmanuel. Well, let us look on him alone.